0: do you have that mega cold i keep hearing about (laughs) so back to matthew chapter six which keeps coming up it comes up in orthodoxy 101 it comes up a lot it's very crucial
1: um and i believe
2: Has um, Michael or anybody started to coach our um, teens for the Bible Bowl on St. Matthew?
0: Not yet, but it's on our uh, it's on our docket. Okay. Look at this place. All right. I believe we are. Is it verse sixteen? No, we did that sixteen writing. 24. twenty-four. Yeah, twenty-four. There we go. Alright, so just to give us the immediate context were those three, when you give alms, when you, fat, when you pray, when you fast, and lots of talk about hypocrisy, we talked about that, we talked about the importance of the disposition of the heart. So keep that in mind, because again, just because we've taken a week break in between doesn't mean that the thought has taken a break, we're continuing a thought here. So who would volunteer to read for us? Let's go to verses 24 through
3: 34. Okay, I'll volunteer.
0: Thank you.
3: (laughs) No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will yes. put on it is not life more than food and wait a minute I'm sorry it's not life more than food and body more than clothing look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if not so close the the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God for its righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its
0: own trouble all right so there's a lot in there but i don't want to divide it up too much it's it's one sort of common theme that runs throughout first of all did anybody have any significant differences in the translation to what maria read anybody have a different word other than mammon do all your bibles rendered as mammon
4: some say money. That's
0: what it is. So it's it's one of the rare times that the New Testament Greek uses a non-Greek word. Five. We don't really know, but we can, can give a little bit of, of, of guess that there's something about the original word that makes it hard to translate oh. because there is a Greek word for money, right? What's the Greek word for money, Maria? there you go okay so he, he could have easily used it well we don't know why but we do know that he didn't choose to do that that he rendered it as god and mammon now um who's speaking here
2: all right who's giving the sermon on the
0: mouth hey, there we go good <laughs> y'all scared me <laughs> Yes. That was a no trick question. Okay. And what language is he probably speaking in?
1: Aramaic. Aramaic. No, I know that's why they couldn't translate.
0: No, because everything he's saying is Aramaic. So what, what they're gonna mean? translate almost everything he's saying into Greek. And then someone has gone into
1: the English.
0: Later on. English. Much later on, right? So what we're seeing is a glimpse at what Jesus said without a translation.
1: Huh.
0: In other words, whoever's translating says, for some reason, we're going to keep this in the original. And if you look at, uh, there's probably, I'm guessing there's some kind of footnote on that in your Bibles. No?
1: In no? no. It's in there, but it does the same thing. The yeah. It's a little, uh, that thing down the
4: map, it's what does that say? What do you mean, like a symbol? Does it take you to the bottom? Is there matching I don't know I the
1: footnote? It says that this is impossible for both men. Sorry. Jesus calls Mammon a master, not because it is financial evil. Oh, so just a footnote. There's no translation
4: okay. note. Okay. Mammon of God. Oh, that would be interesting. Nice yeah, I think it I'm not positive about okay. that, but I. But that I, would just, be interesting because once in a while you have that where you have you know trying to translate kind of these you know like you know the the you know Shemesh the sun, but it's also the sun god, right? You know, and things like that. So right. I thought that could I'm be sure. that would be very
0: interesting if it was because he's saying you can't serve God and this God of riches, right? Yeah. Um, the Semitic word roughly translates either as money, but it's not just money. It's it's riches, but it's not just riches. It's it's uh, wealth in some ways. A Wealth and assumes like a high level of riches. Um, it's yeah. It's that's all. You put all those together, and that's mammon. Money, riches, wealth, um, all that together.
3: Position at work. What's that? A position at work, a title?
0: No, it's, it's what you, well, it's principally what you have. It's sort of a power thing. It's what you have to buy things.
3: Yeah. Your power
0: I, to, uh, to get something.
3: Yeah, and I'm thinking if you're president or vice president of a corporation, you have a lot of funds that gives yeah. you the ability to buy whatever.
0: Yeah, in that connection, yes. If it's your power to accumulate or provide, because you can see where that's going to be important going forward. In the next verse, don't be anxious about your life. What shall you shall eat? So he's going to make a connection here that he's going to make the the statement, and then later on he's going to explain why that statement is true. Sometimes we explain, and then we go, and then we have a summary statement. This time it's the other way around. Um, any other, before we go on, any other differences of translation? Because this one has a few sort of tricky things that get rendered differently. Ha, what do you have for verse 27? No, none, and which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to, what do you say? Stature. 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 We stature. I was ask about yeah. That. Mine has span of life.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that, would that mean? So. You can render two different ways, um, which is why you have some, say, span of life, some, say, stature. What they have in common is you can't make yourself taller. You can't make yourself live longer, and especially by your worrying. Your worrying won't do that. Okay? And why do you worry? You worry because you want something more that you're not sure you can have. And he's saying, which of you, by being anxious, can do that? Those are the two that I remembered. Any other significant translation uh, differences? Okay, so let's go back and look at this. This is a very, very, um, it, it was always relevant. This is a writing that's over 2,000 years old. It was always relevant, but there is a word that has become more and more prevalent in our day and age, which is anxiety. You hear about anxiety a lot. Lot of people suffering from anxiety um, so this is one of those scriptures now, I, I am not one that says oh you're having this issue read this text because I think when you do that you are pulling it out of its context and you seem to be addressing the topic but when you pull it out you're pulling it out you're taking it out of the story you're taking it out of the context if I if I tell you something about um, I don't know why I always pick the three little pigs, but the the pig, you know, building his house out of wood. And I told you about well, he built out of wood, and 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 we don't talk about the other pigs and the wolf. It, you might learn something about building a house out of wood, but that's not what it, that's not the point. But that being said, in the context of the gospel, this is a wonderfully rich text to talk about really jesus's view on anxiety and what to do about it so it's a very very relevant thing for our day and age more than previous age i mean you would think when there were more diseases that were rampant there were less drugs that could handle them there were wars raging everywhere there were dinosaurs running around eating people you would have thought those would be the age of anxiety somehow and we'll talk about how this is um now, when we have more actual security, anxiety is actually skyrocketed. I've just gone up a skyrocket. All right, let's get into this a little bit. Um, no one can serve two masters. Is that a description or a command?
1: It could be both. <laughs>
0: Could be. In what way is it one versus the other?
3: Well, since it's coming from Christ, I would say it's a command.
0: Okay, so we may take it as, well, since he's saying it, we're going to take it as you know, something to to note and to follow.
2: Right.
0: But actually, what is it?
2: I think the first part of 24. Um, might be a, a comment or a statement, but the last one, you cannot serve God and mammon. I think that might be the command.
0: Well, is he telling us not to serve God or mammon?
2: He's saying you just can't. It's not
0: possible. It's a description. Yeah. And I'm bringing that up because we Orthodox retain in, our, in the accurate understanding of our faith and our spirituality If you look at the topic of sin and right and wrong, I think we retain a more accurate view of it, which is much more um, descriptive than prescriptive. In other words, it much more, Jesus much more describes things than actually commands. There are very few commandments from Jesus. And actually, when they ask him what are the greatest commandments, he quotes the Old Testament commandments, loving God. And loving your neighbor is how he sums it up. Why I think this is is important is we typically think of sin as following God's rules. Why do we follow them? Because they're God's rules. And because he's God, we should follow them. Right? That's sort of our, our reasoning. But if it's descriptive and not prescriptive, he's not telling us what to do. How does that change how we view sin, God's rules, the law? his direction. How does that differ from just commandments?
4: It's not so much much us being naughty, quote unquote, as us missing out on the better things.
0: Yeah. And you'll notice that in modern parenting, a lot of the advice of modern parenting has moved to this kind of a model. Instead of just saying, no, why? Because I told you so. Modern parents are encouraged to describe and help their kids understand, like, this is what happens. Now, modern parenting gone awry is you take out the consequence and you describe it, but they don't think kids ever feel the consequence. That's the other way. But in terms of, of actual how we relate to God's will for us, he's basically saying, here's the reality of it. It's not arbitrary. He didn't just say, don't do it. He's saying you can't. And then he goes on to say why you can't. For either he's gonna hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Does he say why? I
1: think we can
4: infer. Okay. So <laughs> the same, is that there are cross purposes so if you if you actually if you're actually serving one that's going to by its very nature cause you to you know um, hate the demands of the other of the other master why? whereas if you're serving the other master by meeting their demands is going to cause you to hate the demands of the why? other master
0: yeah but why
4: because they're opposed to one another so riches is going to demand of you um, if you're serving the riches mm-hmm. versus having
0: them. we get to riches, yeah. We'll yes. get to that in a second, but two masters,
4: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: So think about that. You have two bosses. You're in a job and you've got two different bosses, right? And let's assume for the example as we're going to play out, they're not necessarily on the same same team in terms of like, it's not like They're in agreement in terms of their goals, right? We know he's going to get to God and riches or God and mammon. But before he even gets there, he's setting up the example that we can understand even before he gets to the specific. So imagine you have two different bosses, and they work in two different departments of the company. They're under two different budgets. They're under two different sets of goals. But they're both your master. Now, does the master ask you what you want to do? No. They're going to tell you. I want you to do this, 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 this. I need it by Friday. This, this, this by Tuesday. Now you go to the other guy. He goes, I want this, this, this. I need that by Wednesday. What's the problem? How do you get it all done? Yeah. And while you're trying, what are you going to find that's going to happen? Which
1: one you're
0: going to do, Which one, um, you're
1: going to do first, for one thing? And mm-hmm. then hopefully you get to the other. Otherwise, I mean, there's your anxiety right there. <laughs> yes, yeah. where? First of all, trying to decide which one you to do first. And if you do the one, then the other one's going to get mad at you. And probably both practices sort of are going to suffer. Yeah.
0: Okay. So because we don't live in a world of masters, I wanted you to get into it and sort of get into that mindset before you get into specifics. If you don't get the mindset, you're not gonna get how he's gonna to support that. In other words, he's not saying don't serve riches. He's not saying riches are bad. He's saying, first of all, no one can serve two masters. <clears throat> and if you think about it, this is a time of not of you know corporate uh, hierarchy. This is a time of slavery and not American slavery, you know, necessarily abusive. A lot of people talk about a weakness of the intestine that doesn't doesn't forbid slavery because slavery was uh, such a a, a normal component of life. And it wasn't necessarily all wrong or all bad because as we said, the slave served the master and the master cared for the slave. If you were a slave, all of your needs were taken care of. Your food, your shelter, your health care. You weren't abused because the master wants you healthy. He wants you to work. So it was it was not, as we think of as American slavery, always abusive and, and destructive. It was just sort of how they organized the labor force. If you're a slave, you're going to be serving your master, and he's going to take care of you. Um, in this case, he's saying you can't serve too. So the, the message was stronger then, but do you see how the, how the scripture always holds up? Even in an era of corporate structure, nobody owns anyone else, but you can't serve two bosses. And we all, if you thought about it, as we just start to, you're going to realize, well, it's just, it's just a fact. You just can't. But then he says, more than that, not just that you can't. If you try, here's where you're going to end up. You're either going to end up hating one, loving the other, or vice versa. And Linda describes that, like, you're going to try, but the other one's getting mad, and this one, you didn't do that one. Okay? Then now he's going to now give us his conclusion. Having taken us through the mindset, the reality of, of course, we understand this, now he brings in the two masters. You notice how he didn't reveal them at first? He sets us up. Yeah, you're right. Can't serve two masters. Yeah, you're right. We're going to hate one, love the other. Now you cannot serve God in riches. How does that change? How does that setup change that statement? What does the, the what do the two previous sentences do to help us understand you can't serve God in mammon? I'm the only one on my, didn't get my second cup of coffee today. (laughs) Apparently, I'm not the only one, I should say.
1: (laughs) Well, Father, um, is he saying that, um, or or is he relating God as a master and mammon as a master?
0: It seems that way, because he starts with 24 by saying no one can serve two masters, and he ends it by saying you cannot serve God and mammon. Right. So already, you're right. He's setting up for us that these are masters. They're not neutral. They're not. Um, they're not equal, but but they they can be seen as equal. They can be seen as masters.
1: he's explaining why in the previous two, why he did the comparison. he he's explaining why you can't do that. You're gonna love one. You're gonna hate one. Right. But he's not really telling you, it's not really exactly a command, it's other than he's explaining to you to make the right choice.
0: Exactly. Because they're both going to be masters. Now, has he told us why they're masters yet? Not really. But we're about to see. Now, here's where the Bible always gets everybody. When I say gets, you read any scripture. And you can never say, well, this doesn't apply to me. It's always directed to all of us. Now, when you hear you cannot serve God in riches, is your sense that he's talking to rich people or poor people? I'm like rich people. But it doesn't depend what you consider a rich, what something that's
1: important to you?
0: could be. Yeah. So a couple of you said rich people. Linda says everybody. It really is everybody. But, and we're going to find out why that is. Um, but you can't serve God and riches. We think of riches as my excess, my built up, my accumulated wealth or whatever. Now he's going to hit all of us in terms of this is not about those people. This is about you. I'm talking to you. You know, sometimes when the teacher is talking and, you know, they're addressing a student and they're looking in one direction and the other kid's laughing because he thinks he's talking to the kid in front of him and the teacher says, no, I'm talking to you. <laughs> okay. This is one of those moments. Because right after he says you cannot serve God in mammon or God in riches or God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, about your body, what you should put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is that to rich people or poor people?
2: I think rich. I think okay, Alan, oh. here's rich. They have more, uh, more food and more clothing. Poor people don't really worry about that. They take what they have. And...
1: Well, poor people worry about what they're going to wear, <laughs>
0: you
2: see how it can mean
0: different things? What? It can mean different things. So when when you're here, don't be anxious about your life, what you shall eat. If you are rich, what that means is I'm not sure what I'm going to pick off the menu. There's so much that looks good. Right. Right. Okay. If you're poor, what does it mean?
1: You've only got 15 cents. And what can I buy with 15 cents?
0: There you go. Okay. And everybody in between is going to hit somewhere in that scale. In other words, it's all about it's about everybody. Now, how it's about you varies, right? We just pointed out two examples. They're kind of the extremes of the spectrum. So it might hit them differently, and that's okay. What you'll notice is that it's it's one of those things where it's going to hit you wherever you are. And he's not saying, well. If you're rich, you know, don't worry about what you're going to pick off the menu. And we're not going to have the poor people. He's not saying, well, if you're poor, don't worry about where your food's going to come from. He's going to address all of that. And you'll see how that works out as, as we go on here. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Now he's giving us an example. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Is that hitting, who does that hit more? Is it the 15 cent, what am I going to eat people? Or is one what I eat off the menu? Four. Yeah, probably it affects them in a deeper way. But again, uh, applicable to everybody. Skip down to... Um, well, we'll keep going. We'll, we'll skip over to 27 for a second. And why are you anxious about your clothing? Now, if you're poor, it's what am I going to wear? It's cold out and I don't have a coat, right? Mm-hmm. But he goes on to say, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Mm-hmm. Rich, poor, or both? Mostly rich. <laughs> Mostly rich, but Linda is both. Yeah. And you'll see how it is to everybody.
1: It is everybody because it, you got the flowers and they don't have to do anything other than rely on God to take care of them. And they look better than Solomon. He's rich.
0: Okay. So it's not just about necessity. No. It's not about necessity to say, well, you know, consider, you know, Joe Blow, who doesn't have any money, book. he's got a jacket on. Even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, no matter where you are, wealth-wise or, or anything else, this applies to you, and the commandment, if there's a commandment, go back up to 25, you'll find the commandment. What's the commandment? 25. Do not worry, do not be anxious, depending how you translate it. So the commandment here is, don't worry. Don't be anxious. But he's not just saying, don't be anxious. He's telling us why there's no need for it. You see where he's not saying where it's wrong? He didn't say what's wrong about being anxious, did he? As in morally wrong? Is it morally wrong? It can hurt you in all kinds of ways, right? But he's not saying... Thou shalt not be anxious, it's not my will. He's saying, Don't be anxious, and here's why there's absolutely no good that's coming out of it. Now, if you're anxious about your life, according to Jesus in 25 through 27 so far, or actually 28, we covered a little bit, who are you serving?
3: Not
0: him, yeah. Who, yeah, it looks like you're serving yourself, right? We would not say it's wrong to want to eat or have clothes to wear, but look at how he set it up. Go back to 24. You cannot serve God of mammon, therefore, anytime you hear for or therefore, that's a connecting word, it's saying this connects to the next part. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. So he's connecting anxiety or worry with serving mammon, serving wealth, serving riches, serving money to buy even simple things like basic food and, and clothing. Let's go back and, and we skipped 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add what cubit to his span, stature, or span of life? However you want to translate that.
1: What does that mean? Worry can't change, won't change anything.
0: Right. And if you if you go with the span of life rendering of it, If you think about it, our biggest worry is death. And so by being anxious, we can't add one cubit to the length of our life. One one little foot and a half. We can't add anything to it by worrying. Yeah, Linda said he probably shortens it. Absolutely. But if God so clothes the grass, the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And now he's going to sum it all up, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. So is it wrong to want to eat? <laughs> Obviously not. Do you see that we, we're all familiar with that verse thirty-three? But seek first the kingdom, and is righteous. All these things be added to you, or given to you, or yours is given to you is yours as well. Do you see it differently in the context of everything that came before it? Compare thirty-three. With twenty-four, how are they linked together?
4: If you're serving God as your master, then the priorities are in the right order, and everything will fall into place. Basically.
0: Yeah, right. Because you can't pit, you can't serve both. You can only serve one. He's not saying to you, it doesn't mean that or clothing isn't important right you don't get any you get the opposite you say even the birds and the flowers get food and clothing so he's not saying the food and clothing aren't important but he is saying and this is where it really hits us if you're worrying about that who are you serving Mammon. master the other master which one mammon yeah, ma'am, money, riches. Now, we don't often think about this. This is where, again, he's gonna hit us kind of hard here. If you're worried about your next meal, we would say, well, of course, someone doesn't have money, they're hungry. Of course, they're worrying about their next meal. What's Jesus gonna to say to that? They're serving God will money. Provide. Right. Okay, that, that's, the, that's the key here is that if you're worrying about those things, what are you not? You're serving that, where is my money going to come from to buy these things? You're not serving God, who he tells us now in 33 will give you everything. He told us all the way through, but now he's saying, serve that one master, he'll take care of all the needs the needs that he provides and the needs that money provides. But you can't do both.
1: So
0: really, we're, we should have read verse 33 first and then you don't have to worry about it. First. Yeah, but if you read it first, you might go, oh, yeah, I should try that. <laughs> that but, all right,
1: then the twenty-four could be the deployed if you don't do read 33
0: then. <laughs> Maybe. And for whatever reason, he said it the way he said it. I think what he's done, the way he's done it is um he's explaining it, but he's also setting up not just sort of like why you should do this. If he just said, Seek first the kingdom, you go, of course, he's God, we should follow him. What he did in all those verses, and in, in those nine verses, he's setting us up in a place where if we don't search, search, seek first his kingdom, we're not bad people, we're not just lazy. We're not just sinners. Those are all summary things, which are fine. What he's saying is you've got got two different masters that are going to be there for you to serve. If you try to serve both, you're going to end up hating one and loving the other. Now, we didn't really tie together, but I'll say it now. If you go through life with anxiety about your provision what does that do to your relationship with god there's no trust you don't trade you don't trust him there's no okay what does he say it says about that you hate him wow
1: you hate him no
0: yeah we would like to think that that's why i'm saying if this is jesus we're not i didn't write this jesus said this the way he said it and we would like to think well if i don't seek for his kingdom i'm weak i'm whatever he set it up and he took us step by step by step and we couldn't argue with any of those steps anybody want to go want to go back and say okay well wait i don't like the conclusion. I want to go back and re-argue one of the steps. Is there any one of the steps from 24 through 32, you go, well, that doesn't really make sense. No, all right. So he built his case very solidly. Every step he looked at us, we go, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Now, when he's at the end, if we're not going to cut off 33 and separate it, we're going to see it as the continuation of 24, to 32, and by the way, everything else that came before in Matthew, then if we don't seek first the kingdom, we're going to end up hating him. Now, we'd say, well, I would never do that. I'm not like that. I can't do that. How might that be true? How is it true? And if not your own life, in the life of people around you. Why is that inevitable? I'll help you out. (laughs) Do we live in an age where people, whether they describe it this way or not, hate God? Yes. All right. Elaine's with me. I agree whether they realize it or not, they don't say it that way, they don't conceive it that way. You've seen people leaving the Christian church in droves we've never seen probably in 1600 years. What persecution couldn't do, persecution did the opposite. The church never grew as fast as when it was under persecution, especially under the Romans. Now, relatively little persecution, and people are abandoning faith like we've never seen in, in, in a millennium and a half. Now they wouldn't say I hate are they, abandoning,
2: are they abandoning God or are they just abandoning the structured faith? There was a, um, at the Michigan State Michigan game, Saturday outside the stadium, there's a girl with a big sign that said, uh, seek ye Jesus. I'm paraphrasing here. Seek ye Jesus first, not a church.
0: Okay, great. And 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 her argument would be, if I can put words in her mouth, all this institutional religion, all of these rules and regulations, is not what Jesus was saying. Probably. In yeah. other words, you have two millennium of people who, uh, both in Academic study, more importantly, spiritual study. Imagine this. How old is that girl? Uh 20s. Okay. So let's get let's say she was 25 years old. A 25-year-old girl. Now I don't know her. I don't know who she is. Maybe she lives a very intense, intense, ascetic life. Maybe she's praying and fasting very, very deliberately and powerfully. I don't know. My guess is not, but I'll give you the benefit bit of doubt. You have monks and nuns that day in and day out spend the majority of the day, if not the entirety of their day, praying, fasting, and working. And the, the faith they say is true is not just because there's this institution that they sign off and go, yeah, I agree with that. They've lived a faith as part of this institution, and they go, of course it's all true. Can't you all see that? It's very obvious to us. So even in that, even though here she is, and I would give her credit at least for the intention, she's trying to draw draw attention to Jesus, but she doesn't want the Jesus that the church preaches. She's telling you that. Seek Jesus. She's not saying seek the kingdom, seek Jesus. She's not saying find him in the church, seek him. And the implication is, on your own, as you like. Right? That's basically her message, and she's not alone. There's lots of people that do So, you're right. Even if they're not abandoning faith in their mind in God, they're abandoning faith in anyone else's mind except for their own. They've now become the next pope. They're infallible. They're going to decide what's true, what's not, and they, they're going to they believe it so hard they go to the michigan state game and hold up a banner again i'll give her credit for the intention right what she's not going to do apparently is submit to any earthly connection between that god that she's encouraged you to to seek and and us in other words it's 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 me and god it's direct it's spiritual it's not earthly, it's not material, it's not specific, it's whatever I want it to be, whatever I think God is telling me. Is that how God has interacted with his world? If you're a Christian, the answer is no. That he chose a certain people, he revealed himself in a very specific way, not to the entire group, but to certain members of it, to Abraham and Noah and Moses, and he led those people to a point where One of them, he decided, would be ready to become the mother of his son, who comes, is born, grows up, and now, in our case, offers a sermon. So the the truth of Jesus, as opposed to what this girl is saying, is very specific, very earthly, very historical. Just because I don't like what he might be saying, I don't get to say it's not true. If I'm gonna believe in him. Yeah, she can make up the Jesus that she wants to believe in. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. Hmm. Yeah, she may she may intersect her Jesus with that Jesus. We don't know. Because we how do you how do you say, well, which Jesus does you We don't know. Because she says she sees Jesus, not the church. All that to say, we she would never say, Well, I don't, I don't hate God. be the last person to say that and yet if you're not seeking his kingdom which from our point of view has a very earthly expression in the church it's why by the way we still put crowns on our bishop's heads because they represent to us a king yeah um
1: even jesus went to the temple
0: Right. Yeah. Jesus never preached against the institution of, of the religion. He preached against the, the bad expression of it.
4: Corruption of
0: it. Corruption of it. Yeah. It's not, it's right. Not, we need
4: to get rid of Levites and we need to get rid of a temple and everything yep. else. It was no, you're doing it wrong. Right. I <laughs> mean, what was his main? Hypocrites. His main
0: charge is that they were hypocrites right? Um, woe to you. We'll hear this later on in the, in the gospel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So he's not saying woe to you because you're scribes and Pharisees.
4: He says, woe because you're hypocrites. Well, an interesting phenomenon always happens when, when we talk like, well, I want Jesus, not the church. I want spiritual, not religious. Um, the, there's the famous story of most people know it about, you know, the, the Thomas Jefferson Bible. You heard about that? Yeah, I can't remember I Thomas Jefferson Bible is Thomas Jefferson really respected Jesus but all this stuff about him being God and miracles and everything that's all silly So he went and he he cut out portions of the New Testament that fitted you know his perception of who Jesus really was versus who the church has taught him to be versus what the scriptures teach him to be and so you know you cut out all these passages that are inconvenient and whatever and we continue to do that today and then you end up with what thomas jefferson ends up with a jesus who suspiciously looks like thomas jefferson and so that's what we all the temptation we all have is we we will kind of cut out what the church teaches and what the scriptures teach and suddenly i'm left with a jesus who looks suspiciously like scott yep. <laughs> which is called idolatry
0: right and what does that <laughs> say about your
4: uh perspective of the real one. I don't love him. That not to, don't <laughs> love him. Let's be honest. You, hate, it, him. Nicer. Yes. you well, hate him. Yes. Well hate enough to cancel him, these yes. modern <laughs> right. expressions. Right? Well, I mean that's that's the kind of theme throughout the whole New Testament. And this is something I feel like Americans really struggle with because Americans, we it's kind of ingrained in our DNA that we can kind of sit back in a kind of neutral zone and choose A or B, you know, okay, well, I'm in this kind of neutral territory, and I can go, okay, well, this one, Jesus is is better than, you know, Satan. Yep. But, but that's not at all what's in the New Testament. The New Testament, we're seeing it here. You, you're, There's no neutral territory. Every action, every thought, every word, every deed is either drawing you closer to Christ or or serve, serving the demons. Yep. There's no in-between.
0: Yeah. Now, we want to imagine that that's not the case because we yes. don't like that idea. No, that's crazy. We want the idea where it's like, well, if I'm not seeking first, his kingdom is second so bad. It's not so bad. I served him second. That's so much better than 49th to 233rd. He's second. That's not bad. We want to say that's really what he's saying. I like, can seek versus, you know, yeah, but if it's second, it's not so bad. That way I can say, well, he's talking to those people. He's not saying that I hate God. Those people hate God. Yeah. I'm not so bad. I make him second. Sometimes he's first. He's saying to us, and he's even not saying it's bad to hate God. He's just saying, you have a choice. You're going to serve one or you're going to serve the other. You can't do both. And, and he so proves so that to us. It is. Right. Then he <laughs> went on to say, if you're anxious about your life, you're not serving God. Because the God you would serve as a master would care for you as his servant. And if you're worrying, you're not, you're saying, well, I'll take care of that. Meaning my money, my power, my, rich, my riches, that will take care of me, whether it's when I pick off the menu or if I'm gonna eat or not, it's me. Mm-hmm. And this is where, again, he hits us very hard. Anxiety really is a rejection of God. And that's, I know it's, it's how it sounds harsh, Sounds terrible. I didn't pick the word.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. We'll give you a second. So, I, I hope we never hear seek first his kingdom and his righteousness the same again. Because it's he's not saying what we want him to be saying. He's saying, you have a stark choice here. Now, he's not saying... If you make one, you're not going to ever slip back. He's just saying, when you slip back, you're not just, well, uh, you know, most people will start their confessions with, Father, I don't have anything big. <laughs> That's where I will start. You know, nothing really big going on. And if I were to want to hit him hard, which I, I, I don't because most people couldn't handle it yet, say, well, are you, are you worrying? Well, then you're hating God, right? <laughs> Confession ever. So, but I want us to see because our what's our job today? For one hour a week, we're gonna to listen to Jesus and 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 take him at his word. Even if it means we're gonna spend a lot of time on one or two verses. Today we we're gonna tackle 10. That's pretty good for us. But the point is we we're hearing him, we're hearing what he's saying, and we're not allowing ourselves the leeway, or the margin to go, well, I think it means this. This is what he's saying. Now, the first word in 34 is what? Therefore. Therefore. In other words, everything that comes after this now is connected to what came before it. Okay,
1: but in 34, he says, don't worry about today because tomorrow is going to have its own worries. Isn't that what he's saying? So he knows what a struggle it is. So...
0: It will worry. I'm going be hating him. That's just a harsh. Awful. Awful. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? it you made me
1: sweat when you said <laughs> <it. You laughs> Good. <know what? laughs> good. No.
0: <laughs> if you love God, what does that mean? It means you know who He is. You devote yourself to Him. You want to follow His way. And he's the God saying, I'm God, and I'm going to give you everything. And Go back, and you can reread it. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Okay? And you say to him back, but I'm not sure you're really going to do that. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't say that. I would I. He knows how we struggle with it. He wouldn't have written the, in 34. He wouldn't have said tomorrow has the same words. Those were going to Google and make And I'm saying it's not painting now. It's just that we're, you know, that we're learning to be like the birds or the lilies of the field. Or whatever. Okay.
0: So, yeah. So, at least say, well, I'm learning to love him rather than and and hating riches rather than the other way around i didn't think the word i mean but
4: father i mean jesus, jesus says here in matthew 10 this is also that unless someone hates their father and mother they're not worthy of me now now there's a sense where that's hyperbolic <laughs> because it's just the style you yeah, know the time sure. but but What's but, hate? But let's, let's,
0: let's define hate.
4: Yeah.
0: Does hate necessitate anger? It can't, but does it need to be angry? No. 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 Okay. So in it, at its essence, even you know, hate can have anger. It can have resentment. Ultimately, what is hate? It's a rejection. When people struggle with someone in their family, they don't go. I'm really angry for Sally who did this to me 25 years ago. They go, I don't talk to him. It's it's a rejection. It's a it's a you're you're not worthy. I'm not gonna I'm not, i not I don't have any time for you. I think I'll be talking about it. Not time for that. People will say that person has become toxic. I don't give them any attention now. I'm not advocating you encourage abuse in relationships. But we have all kinds of things that allow us to put someone in a box and put them away. That's hate. Hate is rejection that doesn't require anger or even ongoing feeling. It's just
4: mm. they're over there. I think that's I think that's an important point, Father it that like you just said. It's not a <clears throat> we tend to like think of hate and love as emotions. Yes. It's things we feel. Right. So if you if you say, well, you're you're hating God and doing that, you're like. I don't I'm not feeling hate for God. But that's not what it is. It's is the yeah, are you hating as a as a verb? Right. You know, not not just as a feeling. Right.
0: Yeah, it's an it's an action and even the highest form of both of them is really beyond emotion. Mm
1: -hmm. And if if you tend to be the the warrior instead of hating and separating yourself from him, aren't you really the more you would want
0: to see him. Try to be close to him. Wait, what if we changed hate and made it ignore? Hmm, it sounds a little bit nicer that ultimately is the same thing. we're doing that. That's kind of rough too. Yeah. Ignore, I think, is is mild. We, we we will tolerate that. I can ignore someone, but if you if it doesn't really remove the power, of it. if you say either he will ignore the one and love the other. Or you know what I and ignore the other. You know it says despise. We you can reduce the emotion of it. I think it's a good point that this is not about emotion. You can reduce the um, uh, the sort of power of the 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 ickiness that uh, kind of feeling, but it's still just as bad. You're ignoring God, which God? The God that feeds the birds, that clothes the flowers, that says, aren't you more valuable to him than these birds and these flowers? So here's God. Remember, look at the context. He wants to give you everything. He wants to be the one who provides for you. Why? Because you said I'll, you'll be my master. He said, okay, you're going to serve me, but I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you everything you need. And not just the bare minimum. Look at Solomon, all his glory was not a raised like one of these. Now, there's a phrase that we sort of skipped over, but it's, it's really important. If God so clothes the grass, the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? So he's contrasting for us, on the one hand, anxiety, on the other hand, faith. One will go up and the other will go down. What's faith? Faith is trust, loyalty, fidelity, when you are faithful to someone, then you serve that person. You don't worry about yourself. You're taking care of that person's needs, right? You
1: can hate with love, but they're both extreme emotions. It's not just like or follow or listen to. Right. Yeah. So the other isn't just not listening to or ignoring for the day. It's a it's
0: balance them. But if you take out emotion, because Scott made a good point, if you take out the emotion, both from love and hate, essentially, what are they? What is love essentially, without the emotion of it, which it really isn't essential? Well, l- l- what's the highest example of love we have? Jesus says, no greater love as someone that he laid down his life for his friend. Okay. When you're doing that act, we could think of Jesus on the cross. Is it that sort of romantic marriage day, bride walking down there? Is it that? It's deeper than that. Okay. I'm not saying it has no emotion to it, but is, is the emotion necessary? If somebody comes in now and they're holding a gun and I jump in front of all of you, I don't need to go, oh, but Linda, she's so wonderful. I just go, <laughs> not them, me. Right? I don't need the affection. I don't need the romance. It's not that there's no emotion to it. It's a priority. It's a servant. It's a devote. He says because he goes on to use devotion and despising. So he's hate and love, then he goes devotion despising. The, the despising, again, even though we feel the emotion of it, you can despise someone very coldly.
1: But they're more extreme than, they're extreme examples of something that could be disliked.
0: Right. You know. Yes. Yeah. And he's trying to help us to see that.
1: disliking so that is not it. You've got to love God. You've got to follow God. You can't just be there sometimes. It's yep. all in, all the time.
0: Yeah. Because eventually, if you're not serving him, you're going to hate him or despise him. As I think we were seeing all around. Today, there are a lot of people who say, and they'll, they'll say it about, against the church. I think that girl has a very common sentiment, you know, seek Jesus, not the church. And she would point to corruption of the church or whatever. I would say that when people reject the church, they're rejecting the expression of God. They wouldn't see it that way. They wouldn't necessarily agree with that. But if you ask them far enough back, you can realize it's, I don't like this. I don't want it to be like that. Thomas Jefferson cutting out Jesus. It's, I want it to be this, which means you're going to have to reject God at some point. You cannot reject anything in the church that's, that's legitimate of the church. Without rejecting at least an aspect of God. Right? There's all this stuff now going on the internet. Um, This kid in California that came out of the closet and he's gay, but he's Orthodox, and the church is rejecting him and he wants to start this organization now, blah, blah, blah. I could have a discussion with him, but eventually he's going to say to me that the church's teaching on homosexual behavior. Is not of God, he's going to pull it out of the God category and put it into the church category. And so he's going to say, I might be rejecting the church, I'm not rejecting God. And this is where, it, it, as Orthodox, we don't make that distinction, you can't reject one and keep the other. Saint Paul says, The church is the body of Christ, right you separate the head from the body, you have no person left. So it's, it's, they're all together. So for us, it, it, that's, that's where this rejecting of God, I think has become, no one says it. And we don't even say it. We don't say I'm serving riches if I worry about things, but he's trying to show us that ultimately, again, think of Matthew, the heart, the inner reality. He's trying to show us that you can't just write this off as Well, I'm trying, I'm working on it. You're going to hate one and love the other. You're going to serve one despise the other. That's just the way it is. You can't do it any other way. And then he ends up this section with, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Now, in some ways, that's the same thing. In some ways, it's really different. Which day is Jesus talking about in verses
1: 25 to 33.
0: Okay, That's today, right? He's not saying, don't no worry about your food tomorrow. Don't be anxious about what you shall eat. So this is it. That's immediate. It's what's going on now? Now he's saying to you, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. In other words, you're going to have to do this struggle every day. And if you do this struggle between anxiety and serving God every day, imagine trying to do that and adding on to that, not just anxiety for today, but anxiety for tomorrow. You've got enough to do to fight this battle against anxiety, meaning the battle to serve God and realize he's going to give you everything you need. That's enough to do. Just get through today and keep your your devotion to God. Watch how he's going to provide for you. When you get to tomorrow, then you're going to have the same same struggle to, to do.
2: That make sense? Is that what is meant by the last sentence there? Sufficient yeah. for the day is its own trouble? Exactly.
4: Exactly. Well, and Father, you just gave us a prayer to say each day that says, give us this day. Our there you day go. bread. Good point. No, he doesn't say, and tomorrow. Right. And all following days. Right. If anybody's ever read the screw table letters, the screw table letters is a great thing where the demon's like, look, here's the thing. You want, you want the patient, you know, this is the demon talking. Yeah. You want the patient to worry not about what his duty is as a Christian today.
1: Yeah. We
4: want him to worry about in the future, right. like tomorrow, because those things don't exist. So that's like fantasy. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so get his mind off of what's real exactly. in the here and now and right. get it on. Well, what about tomorrow? What about a month from now? What about a year yeah. from now? And then we'll, it'll be great. We'll, you know.
1: Well, and don't yeah, they just... even say that 90% of what you worry about never happens anyway?
4: Yep.
0: And while you're worrying about it, what Jesus says is, well, what can you do about it? Worrying doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. If you think about it this way, worry and anxiety is taking the energy that you need to do the one essential thing. Looking to God. That takes energy. To, to be looking to God and saying, okay, yeah, the birds are being fed, the flowers get their clothing, okay, that it takes energy to do that, to stay serving God. If you're worrying, you're not doing that. You're taking your energy going, gee, what's going to happen? How's, and you're not even working to get those things. That'd be bad enough. If you were saying, well, I got to go to work because I, I, I don't know what God's going to do. I got to feed myself, but I'm going to work. That's bad enough. Now you're saying I'm not even working, I'm just worrying about it. It's the only thing worrying is the only thing we do that cannot have any possible good outcome. (laughs) That's you can't repent of it. You can, but while you're doing it, boy, does it do a number on us? That's what they
4: tell addicts. You know, it's today I will be sober. Today I will do this. And if you start having anxiety about can I stay sober tomorrow, it usually causes you to partake of your addiction. Yes, yeah. exactly. Father, I keep thinking about what you said at the women's retreat about. Um, I'm trying to think of how you worded it. Why be? Why wait for our suffering to be miserable
2: when we can worry and be miserable now? <laughs>
4: That's right. That was very yeah. impactful.
0: Yeah, w- worrying is taking future suffering. And, and instead of waiting for it and suffering then, like, let's say I'm gonna you know, uh, go through something difficult tomorrow. Worrying takes that pain and extends it backwards so I can start to feel it now. <laughs> I'm gonna feel it tomorrow, but I don't wanna wait. I wanna start suffering under it now. That's what worry does, yeah, it sucks the it back. It's true.
2: So Father, this whole, um... Commentary. I don't know what other word to use. Is still all part of the, his preaching on the mountain, his sermon on the Correct. mountain. Correct. All dialogue of, you know, we normally think of it as as um, the beatitudes or the Lord's prayer, but it's basically everything we should do to live on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean this. This is the crux of. Um, that that time when he was on the mountain and speaking to us is the crux of how to live our life on earth to attain salvation.
0: Yep, absolutely. Now, now this is the first of five. Remember we talked about how Matthew is sort of a, a, um, a, a new uh, testament. It's a new covenant. It's a new uh, arrangement, new relationship. So this is sort of the genesis of those. We're going to have in the Old Testament, you have the the five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You're going to get five of these. Each one of them is really related to the other ones around, but each one is unique on its own for how it fits into the whole message. But, you know, you, you don't get, they always say you don't get a second chance at a first impression. So there's something significant that this is the first. All right, thank you, everybody.
1: Thank you, Father. Thank you.
0: The rest of your day. Yep, thank Safe travels. Well, hang on just a second. Oh, that's right. The forerunners are away next week. Is that next week? Yes. Okay. So yeah, no Bible study next week. Those of you that are the forerunners, it's our trip to the monastery out east. So no Bible study next week. And if you're over fifty, come
2: join us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
1: Bye. 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 Bye.